Welcome to Where Is My Mind, the podcast that talks about music and mental health. We have a different guest each week who talks us through their emotional playlist. I'm your host, Tom. The guest for episode four is Dominique Holmes. Dominique is a tattoo artist, artist and activist. Dominique talks about a mixture of things from being a tattoo artist stuck in lockdown, how they got into art, and of course, talks us through their playlist picks. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm not too bad, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. Um, You're a guest that when I first started writing the list of who I wanted, you were very much at the top of the list. So I do appreciate you taking the time out. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm really excited about being part of it. I think it's a really cool podcast. Thank you. Sweet, thank you. Yeah, uh, I like it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, before we kind of get into uh, kind of having a bit of a chat, um, I see you as a very, you know, I think I see you as quite a multi-dimensional type person. So I would wouldn't want to do in the injustice by saying here's a tattoo artist, um, because you are much more than just that. Um, so instead of me incorrectly describing who you are, I'm going to kind of let you do it. So for those who don't know, who are you? What, what is it that you do? Um. Well, I tend to describe myself as a multimedia artist and activist, which I think kind of encapsulates most of what I do, more or less, under that sort of umbrella. Um, but yeah, I, I obviously my my background, what I'm most known for is my tattooing. Um, and on top of that, I paint, I design, uh, I write um, and talk a lot about tattoos and gender politics and I do a lot of activism uh in the LGBTQ community you do and I before I mean we met because you've tattooed me um and uh one of the things that I knew you know and I we chat a lot when as you know I'm a bit of a chatty cafe and I didn't really (laughs) shut up when we were uh, when you were tattooing me but uh one of the things I knew going in was just what a kind of powerful force you were or are um, in the sense that if there's a cause, you're definitely someone who's going to carry their weight behind it. Um, was that kind of your upbringing? Were your family quite kind of in that mindset as well? Was that something that we, that you kind of discovered when you got a little bit older? Um, I would, no, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a, a family trait I don't I I don't come from a long line of very sort of politically socially active people um and I think it's quite difficult to explain like it's something that just seems to exist within me and it's quite difficult to kind of pinpoint how and when that started you know I don't know like I think back to when I was like nine years old and decided that I was going to be a vegetarian because I read something about uh, battery farming. And rather than just be like, okay, I'm a vegetarian now, I was like, right, I need to photocopy all this information and hand it out all around my primary school and like absolutely like chastise anyone who doesn't want to be vegetarian and isn't into animal rights causes. So I would say it was just something... Um, that's just part of who I am intrinsically and from that day onwards yeah I've just kind of ridden that wave 
Yeah, it's it's for me. It's something that I've had to develop as I've gotten older. I think um, you know I, I had a lot of issues with myself to sort out before I felt comfortable with my voice and being able to share it. Um, so it's definitely saying that when people have that voice naturally, which I think you know you you are or have, I'm always quite envious of people like that who uh, kind of feel comfortable to share their voice and to put their kind of weight behind it. I, it's something that I feel comfortable doing now, but that's come with time as an adult um, and me dealing with my own insecurities, I'd imagine, first. Um, so it's definitely something that I think is a, it's a really great trait. Um, just on politics, and we're not going to get into you know, Boris and all the rest of it, um, <laughs> were you, are your family all the same way leaning or are you very particularly leaning one way and the rest of your family the other? Um, yeah, I, I <laughs> definitely um, stepped away from sort of the rest of my family into it, like even in, in, in terms of that, I, I would say um, I think like I wasn't I wasn't brought up to be particularly politically involved. like we, like I say, we, I wasn't really sort of raised in a family that was like, here's all these social injustices that we should fight for. Um, So I think like that side of things for me really um, sort of came as I, I guess as I got older and more involved in other social issues and causes, I think going back to sort of the the early um, sort of activism that I got involved with was very much around like animal rights. and then through that, obviously, like the punk scene and, and those environments. So, you know, by the time I was sort of 17, 18, I was getting more involved in those things. So that's where a lot of my political, it's almost like my sort of political awakening sort of came from, from that. Um, and, you know, once, I think once your eyes are open to those things, you know, you, it's very difficult to go back from that. But... Um, and then obviously just over over the years, yeah. seeing things change, like seeing the way that the world is shifting. So, I mean, for me, you know, around that time, for me, it was very much the sort of, again, not going too deep into it, but, you know, it was like New Labour, Tony Blair, like, you know, this, it was quite a positive time in terms of British politics. So it wasn't the sort of same waves of like anger and, you know, shock and, you know, what the hell is going on with the country that we have right now. But, um, you know, as that sort of began developing, I was much more politically engaged and socially engaged. So it, it, um, again, it's just sort of, for me, it's, it feels like an absolute no brainer to get involved in these things and stand up for these things and fight against, you know, some of the, some of the awful things going on in the world. But yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned punk and you mentioned the teenage when I don't think it's the same now because I think, uh, but I, you know, I know we're roughly around the similar age, but um, would you have classed yourself in that group at school? Because I find that in my school, a lot of the groups were defined by the music you were into. So were you a punk rock, uh, punk rock kid growing up? I think I, like, I was definitely like the alternative kid, you know, I was, the, the one that dressed a bit weird and listened to yeah. different music and, you know, I was, I was like, you know, a little skate punk really. So 
yeah, I, w- I would probably have been in that category if you kind of <laughs> break, yeah, break it into into those groups. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And what bands were you guys listening to in that in that group in that scene? Oh my god, I like as a as like a teenager, as a kid, a teenager. I this I'd say like my favorite my favorite bands at the time were I was very into like indian brit pop okay actually like that was one of my sort of journeys into like music obviously it was it, that was the big thing at, at the time you know it's the yeah. whole like blur oasis um and from that you know as a sort of young like young teenager starting listening to that i guess i was then sort of more exposed to sort of proper music i don't like <laughs> all music is proper music it's you know all music is valid and has its place and is great, but you know where a lot of, uh, I guess a lot of people of that age were, you know, reading smash hits and listening to pop music. I started getting more into like the sort of alternative music, I guess. So things like um, I was quite into Pearl Jam. Oh yeah, they were like a you know a big a big band for me. Um, Soundgarden, another one. Like I guess that kind of that that was sort of where where my musical taste started going. Rage Against the Machine, that was another one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Used to get told to turn that down a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um I always like when uh, I mean I, I was a massive grunge kid as well. So, you know, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Nirvana, etc. My buddy. And I always find it quite funny when I talk to people about that scene, especially whilst we're both wearing check shirts. So we're I both... was just about to say <laughs> we're both rocking. Uh, I know people can't see this in the medium, but me and Dom are both wearing check shirts whilst talking about our love for grunge. So we are a walking cliche a little bit. Um, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I mean, for me, like it was, uh, whatever band Kerrang told me to, uh, get into, I got into, um, so that was very much my Bible growing up, um, was that, um, just talking again about, cause obviously, oh, and the, with Kerrang as well, yeah, just the free CD, when you'd get like the free CDs, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that's how you discover that, you know, your new favorite record, your new favorite totally. band, the, the CDs on the cover, on the front of Kerrang! I definitely like that was a yeah, real. I loved it. Like discovery for me, like finding all those. Yeah, and for and for my my brother was uh, was where I was more with the alternative scene. He was indie, and for him, his bible was Q. So any band in Q, <laughs> he would obviously research. And again, if there was a CD that would be played in his room for countless hours, where I was next door listening to Kerrang! Uh, CDs. Um, so it was a real kind of uh, split line between the two. Um, so growing up in terms of, because obviously this podcast is around that emotional connection that we have with music. How did you, when did your kind of real connection with music come? Was there a lot of music played in the house where your parents got into it? If so, kind of what was the sounds that you had growing up? Or was it something that you, because I know obviously when we grow up and we find our own sound, our music tastes change. But would you say music was something that you got into yourself? Or was it something that you kind of had from kind of day dot? Um, I think I just always remember there being music on. I was always, you know, the, there was always the radio on or like, you know, music playing. There's always music in the car. Like we, we were sort of encouraged to like participate in music. So, you know, we, we were very much, um, I guess, yeah, I was sort of brought up 
around music. It was um, it was just there right from the start. Um, in terms of what we listened to and sort of, I guess, how my connection to music came about, I just, I just always would always listen to music. And um, one of my sisters, we're quite close in age, she was very into music as well. So there would always be, you would always hear it like blasting from both our rooms, but I think we had quite different tastes. Um, okay. But I just, yeah, I just always remember like, you know, making mixtapes or like, even like from being mm. even younger, like I'm sure most people did this at one point when, you know, you pretend you're a DJ. So you like play your favorite records and you're introducing them or like, you know, there, there was always that. I think it's just, it was just one of those, one of those things that it was everywhere as I was growing up. So I always connect, you know, you can, you can connect almost any part of your life to like a certain type of music you were listening to. Um, yeah. And you, and you mentioned that you and your sister had different tastes. Which way did she lean musically compared to you? Uh, she was, I guess, I mean, I guess like the, the most obvious sort of um, way of looking at it was, I think she was she was very much like a take that fan. Okay. You know, she had like, she was into that sort of music. Whereas, so she, yeah, she would have like Smash Hits magazine and <laughs> I would get like, yeah, Kerrang or, or something like that. Like that, that would be, if you wanted to like <laughs> categorize things, that's probably the easiest, easiest way of doing it. And unless it gives a little teaser into your playlist, but what would be your guilty pleasure be pop wise? Is there a certain, because everyone's got one. Um, what would be your guilty, ple guilty pleasure? Oh, I mean, I have got some all out pop on my playlist. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll save that. I'm absolutely I, I, this is what I mean. I like as much as I joke about, you know, proper music, I think there is definitely, there is a time and a place for all music. Like I very, I would very much say I'm someone who would find it easier to list the music that I don't want to listen to <laughs> rather than what I would want to listen to. Um, yeah, I get that. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I will always say, I don't even think it's a guilty pleasure, though some people say it is, but ABBA, for me, yes. is my so-called guilty pleasure, just because they knew how to write a brilliant pop song. Yeah. I mean, SOS, Does Your Mother Know, are two of my favourite songs. Um, ABBA, uh, like, ABBA are incredible. Somehow, I realised many years ago that somehow I know all of their songs and most of the lyrics to almost all of their songs, and I'm like, I've never gone out of my way to listen to it, yet... I know it, so yeah. there must be something in the way that it's written that, you know, it's, they're, they're just great classic pop songs. Totally. I, I had that realisation with something that is probably way more embarrassing than ABBA, but uh, with the five mega mix um, <laughs> that it was played at a wedding and I <laughs> I went, I felt mental yeah. and I suddenly realised that I knew every, in this short burst of five songs, I knew every word in this, like, you know, minute wow. of these songs. And uh, it was a high and a low point in my life. Um, but um, I now bloody love the five mega mix. Excellent. But I couldn't listen to a five song all the way through. Just, 
I like them in short bursts all put together. I mean, the mega mix, it's, it's like the highlights, isn't it? It's like a highlight. Oh, really. Highlight of a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a highlight of a wedding. Uh, if there's no five megamix, I'm not going to attend. That's my new rule. Um, so if you don't need to attend your wedding, just don't play the five megamix. I'll, I'll bear that in mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, so it'd be silly for me not to talk to you about art um, mm-hmm. because I want to use that word instead of tattooing. Um, how did you, A, discover that you had a talent? Um, because I can barely draw a stick man. And... Did you always know tattooing was the way? I know obviously you do it all, but as you've said, you're kind of probably more known for that style. Did you always know that was the direction you wanted to go in? Or was it just a coincidence that you went in that direction over, say, you know, being a painter first? Um, what was your what was your kind of discovery and then kind of that direction? Well, for me, like I still sort of when I think back to like how like how and why I got so into like art and creating a lot of it came from my gran who was an amazing painter and when I'd stay with her in like summer holidays when I was and I mean when I was like young when I was like eight or nine um we would do like painting sessions so she'd do like set up a little still life she did a lot of like watercolor flowers um and she would set them up and she would teach us how to like paint and draw um so it was obviously it was something that was enjoyable that that you know I really loved that memory of it doing art at school nearly ruined it for me because it was terrible and um the school I was at didn't really value art as like a a subject or as a as anything worth sort of spending actual time on um so that was quite difficult um but I was so when I first I always loved it I loved drawing like I always want I knew I wanted to do something creative I knew that was like the direction that I would have to go in to be happy and to like you know be living a life that I wanted to live um but it wasn't until I got my first tattoo that it even crossed my mind that that would be a thing um okay so I mean this was over 20 years ago um oh my god wait no it's even I'm not even gonna say how long I've just worked out how long ago it was I'm not (laughs) I'm not gonna say that um okay but it wasn't tattooing was not how it is now like you didn't know tattooers um they they it was still like you know you'd have like one or two tattoo studios in town um you know that had the reputation and it you know it wasn't like an artistic profession it was still just tattoos um but I got a tattoo and the woman who did it was like really cool really interesting I chatted and chatted and chatted and I got to the end of it and she was like God, you ask a lot of questions. Do you want to be a tattooer or something? <laughs> and it just, something just clicked. And I was like, oh, that's a job. People do this. You can do, this is a thing. Yeah. Um, so from that point, it was, it, it was like at the back of my mind that it's what I, like I wanted to do it. Um, but it was when I was studying art at university that I started actually tattooing. Um, and when I was at university, like the artwork that I was creating was nothing c- 
connected to tattooing in any way, shape or form. I was very, I was much more into uh, like installation and using sort of natural sources to create like, um, like transient art and, you know, things that you only see for a short time and, you know, very conceptual stuff. Um, and then, yeah, and then from there went on to, to tattooing. And I guess for me, I, like, I kind of sit somewhere in between. Tattooing is very much like, you know, my first love artistically. Like I've always had this like incredible connection to it and I love what I get to do through tattooing and, you know, getting to create pieces for people really fulfilling like it's really an an amazing thing to be able to do but I also really appreciate that it's also allows me to now do the other creative processes that I have always wanted to do and have always Mm. continued to do but um you know maybe weren't quite as I I don't want to say weren't quite as accessible to me. Like it, it wasn't like tattooing was like a physical thing that I could do and I could create and I could express myself through doing this one thing. And it's very consistent and it's, you know, a great way to create. So, um, like, yeah, it's, it's been and will remain like my main, uh, sort of act of creation, I suppose, act, act of like creativity, um but Mm. all the other stuff that I love doing all the other sort of creating is always going to be there as well and I'm always going to want to do everything else alongside it yeah and obviously tattooing is is the the industry has changed quite a lot um obviously in recent years and I'm saying that from outside looking in I mean it's a lot more popular now than it has been (laughs) you know there's terrible tv shows uh there's uh, it feels like there's a shop on every high street now um (laughs) what's your what's your view on the current state of the industry that you're in are you pro are you against it are you do you think there's i mean obviously this year has been there's been some un there's been some unpleasant stories around male tattoo artists etc like wh- wh- where do you think your your industry is in at the moment kind of state-wise um oh, and that's a big question and i, I asked <laughs> a few different things so um there's it's it's a strange one because you know i i guess like so many people of like our our generation our age like you know one of the things that was so appealing about tattoos was the 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 sort of counterculture element of it like you know that's that's what was so great about them they were like still a bit um controversial and and you know, that's what attracted a lot of people to that. Like it was a way of expressing yourself that was outside of the norm. You know, us like outsider kids, you know, then became outsider adults. Like this is what happens. Um, So, you know, there is that, I do have like a, a, a part of me has like a bit of melancholy around that doesn't exist. That, that has kind of moved. We've moved on from that. It doesn't really exist in that way. But then the other side of me is like how amazing that now so many people can express themselves through tattoos and people can get it. And being tattooed doesn't mean that you'll never get a proper job again. Now it doesn't mean Mm. that society automatically 
like pushes you aside. Like there's, I, I kind of like that element as well. Um, I think one thing that I do have certain issues with is the kind of, you know, the, the industry has exploded, but the, the sort of, um, I don't want to say, I'm trying to think of the right word. I don't want to say like the <laughs> policing of the industry, but, but there are certain elements around the industry that, you know, should be regulated because of how it's gone. But then if you regulate them in the wrong way, then tattooing loses everything that it's about. So it's a very difficult time, I think, for for kind of working out where we all fit into it, you know, as tattooers, mm -hmm. as people getting tattoos, like, you know, what is the industry about now? You know, it is an industry now. This That's the other thing, like, you know, you used to think of it, it it would be, you know, maybe a tattoo community or, you know, the tattoo world, whereas now it's an industry, which is such like a sterile word. You know, it's such a corporate, mm. like sterile sort of, it's an industry now. It's like a, it, it's, it's got a different sort of energy to it. But, you know, then you also point out like a, a lot of unsavory characters are starting to be uh, called out for their bad behavior and you know there's there is more of a sort of uprising against that which is a good thing because one thing that the industry does need is to sort of step into you know the, the modern era and, and kind of catch up with the rest of the world and and start to you know own and and take responsibility for some of the shitty things that go on in the industry and, and make those mm. changes. Um, but it's very, very far behind where it should be in a lot of those issues. Yeah. I, I mean, again, outside looking in all I say to people, and if anyone's listening to this and thinking about getting their first ever tattoo, please do your research on the artist. Like, you know, don't just go for any Tom, Dick or Harry that's in a local shop down your high street. Mm -hmm. Just look at the quality of the person's work. And if it's a lot more money, there's a reason behind that. <laughs> it's because the person's generally going to be a very, very good. Um, you know, I've heard, and you would have heard this a trillion times more than me, some absolute shockers of people getting an 80 quid tattoo. And obviously you can see why it costs you 80 quid. Mm -hmm. um, so just do your research because there's so many great shops still. And you know, like I first knew about you because of the family business. There's obviously Parliament. You know, there's there's so many in London. Um, and I'm mentioning London because we're both based in London. But um, and just the last one on tattoos where we start to talk about the playlist. And I'd be because of this, you know, there is a mental health element to this podcast. So I'd be silly not to ask you. Obviously, your industry, it's been a roller coaster during COVID. You know, mm -hmm. open shut, open shut you know, like, very much like the, you know, hair and barber industry, you know, given no time, etc. How How's that? And I, and I know you're obviously, you know, you work in your own studio, etc. But how's that been for you mentally from a sense of the uncertainty of this year, yeah. arranging things, unarranging things, etc. Is that, has that been quite, I mean, it's again, outside looking in, I imagine it's been quite tough. How have you kind of coped with, coped with this year? It, do you know what it has? It's been, it's been really difficult. Like I, I'm very, I, I will happily talk very openly about how 
frustrating and how difficult it's been for me and I can imagine for everyone else in my industry because, I mean, I'm speaking as someone who has worked, like had jobs and worked since I was a kid. You know, I had Saturday jobs, I had part-time jobs, like I've always worked. And, you know, this last year I haven't been able to. And I'm coming at this from a position where I don't exclusively tattoo. You know, I have other work to keep me going. I have other projects that I can continue to work on. But still, like, the the feeling of not having, not having purpose and structure mm. can be quite difficult. And it's really, like, it, it's opened my, my eyes up quite a bit. I was talking to um, a friend recently, and I was like, I now... I feel like I can kind of empathize with with people who find themselves like long term unemployed and I can see how depressing that must become like it's really really difficult to keep yourself positive and inspired and want to keep going when you don't really have anything to do mm. and when you're trying to create in such a like a you know a difficult time you know we we've all we've seen endless sort of memes and tweets and people talking about it. You know, it's hard to find the energy to be creative when your energy is going into staying alive, when your energy is Mm. going into, okay, like I've got these bills coming up, but you know, I want no way of working and earning money and the government aren't exactly helpful to a lot of people. And you know, there's all of this. So it's, it's also not exactly the easiest time to be like, well, I'm just going to start this new creative project because you know, our heads aren't in the right places. Um, so it's been, it's been frustrating. It's been really difficult. The constant rescheduling, scheduling, rescheduling, all of that was exhausting as well. And I think a lot of us found that to be quite just difficult for many, many reasons. But, um, I like I personally got to sort of just it was just before Christmas and before the all the lockdown was brought in and I got to the point where I ended up emailing all of my clients that I'd that I'd booked in for January because I was like I know what's going to happen I can see it coming I'm just going to email now and be like look should we just reschedule because all our Christmases are going to be ruined by this. We're all going to be stressed. It's all going to be really last minute. It's going to be, you know, I'm going to be worrying if you've got the email, you're going to get back to me, you know, little things, the little things like that really kind of build up. Mm. Um, So it's difficult. And then obviously, you know, from the point of view of the industry, and I think similarly to people in the sort of barbering and hair and beauty industries, you know, I know people in studios who spent thousands of pounds on you know getting the studios covid secure you know and and were closed anyway and you think you know that's been a lot of work a lot of financial and emotional and and sort of physical energy gone into doing that and it's mm. you know for nothing so all of those things you know it brings you down it, it kind of it, it's exhausting it's really exhausting um but also we all know it's it is also the right thing to do because i know i'm not the only one who you know followed all the restrictions when i did 
you know, reopen, followed all the restrictions, you know, to- I, I tattooed you in between the lockdowns, didn't yeah. I? And it was, yeah. you know, very like, you know, I made sure you knew everything about how the studio was operating, made it very clear. Like if you have symptoms, if you know anyone with symptoms, like we'll reschedule. Yes. But yeah. I still had people coming in who had not taken into consideration their actions and, you know, either, you know, either hadn't been practicing social distancing or, you know, turned up without a mask or whatever. And that adds to the stress as well, because I'm like, I'm putting myself at risk so you can have your tattoo, you know, just at least show the respect to, to, you know, do the few things that we ask. So, so it's kind of, um, you know, it's stressful if we're closed, it's stressful if we're open, like it's, it's a difficult time, but you know, we're not the only ones, like it's, it's difficult for everyone and you have to kind of remember that, but yeah, it's definitely been a tough year, like in terms of yeah, all of that. Yeah, I feel like there's been a few industries that have had it worse than others. Um, obviously, I'm taking the NHS and people at, in their own in their own level, but you know, like we've mentioned, obviously your industry, and obviously, like, you know, I had a friend who runs a barbershop in London, and the day that everything shut, she was working till literally the last second that she could class that as a day because she had all of her Christmas booked up. And then obviously it cut and then she had to try and fit as many people in. So she worked till it was like 101 of the next day. So it was officially still in the law just to try and fit in as many people as possible. Because A, she needed as much money as she could to get through Christmas. Mm -hmm. But also B, she didn't want to let, she wanted to not let as many people down as she knew she was going to have to. So it's been, and you know, I've got friends who are tattoo artists, friends who are barbers and just talking to people. And I've been very lucky. I've worked every day since you know, COVID and haven't been furloughed. So I'm very much, you know, I count myself as kind of, I've count myself very fortunate, but, it, you know, I know it's been tough on friends and in, in people I've heard different stories of and, and they've had to try and find different ways to cope, you know, different coping mechanisms, different way to try and get their output because, you know, what are you going to do is sit there and watch TV all day. It's not, you know, it's, that's going to be really tough on your head. So, and I know as, uh, yeah. you know, you've been um, making some great cookies as well as I, as I tried. So um, <laughs> my waistline hasn't been grateful with that, but uh, my, uh, my appetite has. So, um, <laughs> okay, let's, let's now talk about your playlist. Cause obviously that's, that's why we're all here. That's the main gist of it. Okay. So again, just to recap before we start. So this is where we build your emotional playlist. So, there are six choices, five everybody get, one is slightly more accustomed to you. Um, we'll t- I'll give you obviously the the track and then we'll talk about the music and then you give us your pick and we'll talk about why you picked that song. So like every playlist, you want to start it with a banger. So this is your happy pick. Mm-hmm. And obviously we can look at this from a couple of ways. Song, a song that you want to listen to to get you in that happy mood. When you're in that happy mood, you want to elevate yourself. Um, so... When you want to be happy or when you are happy and you want to get even more, mm-hmm. what kind of music do you tend to, to go to? Um, I would tend to go to what I refer to as like 80s and 90s gay disco pop, like proper, <laughs> proper, like <laughs> okay. what you would listen to at 3am in G-A-Y late when you're absolutely smashed and you don't want to go home yet and you just want to like dance with random people. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, nice. that takes takes me to my happy place, okay. if you can imagine that. 
Um, okay, no, I'm liking the sound of this already. Um, so what, what's your song pick for this one? Uh, so my song pick for this is Always by Erasure. Oh, okay. Which is, and it is the song that if I've had like a really long day in the studio, I will put it on while I'm clearing up and I'll like literally be dancing around the studio, clearing things up as I go, blasting it out. I don't know what my neighbours nice. think. They, they have to listen to it quite a lot. But um, <laughs> yeah, that is hands down my go-to happy, positive song. Nice. And if you had to, would that be your song as well? Just do a different spin on it. As I mentioned, Five Megamix would be my Get Me Up on the Dance Floor song. If, <laughs> if, if there was a wedding and you weren't dancing, if that song came on, would you just have to get up? Is that Oh, like... I, like, I would clear everyone out of the way. Like, <laughs> I, there would be no stopping me. Oh, I'd wow. be, like, centre of the dance floor. I'd nice. be dragging people onto the dance floor with me. Oh, and what's your, uh, what's your, go-to, <laughs> dance, what's your go-to dance move? <gasps> oh, I mean, probably depends how many drinks I've had. At that point, <laughs> right, let, let's say we're let's say we're merry. Okay, a few a few drinks have been had. I don't know if you're a light or a, I don't know if you're a lightweight or not. But um, what what would be your are you are you a wheelbarrow fan? Are you a robot fan? Have you actually got some moves? Because I'm I'm a dad dancer, so I've got I've got nothing <laughs> in my locker. Um, I think if I had to explain it, I think my dance move, especially to that song, would probably be. Um, I probably just dance like I'm completely off my face <laughs> at a festival. Nice. Like, I think there's just a lot of, like, probably a lot of, like, arm waving, eyes closed. Like, you know, it's it's like there's a lot of love for everyone in the room at that time. Like, yeah. it's just, you know, we all want to feel good. I'd probably dance with whoever was next to me, <laughs> whether I knew them or not. Nice. Like, you know. I yeah. like that. Great. That's a really happy and positive way to start a playlist. So I'm already fully on board with this. Track two is the inspiring one. So obviously this could be taken in a couple of different ways. Um, when you do want to be inspired, um, what, again, before we talk about the pick, what kind of music would you lean towards? Um, well, it's quite, I mean, it's going to sort of give away my pick just by talking about it. But okay. I like automatically would listen to Tom Waits okay. for any sort of inspiration. Nice. Um, I, like, for, for me, that's, like, he's, you know, such an incredible artist and has such a range of, uh, you know, musical ability, but it, it's, there's something about his music that always gets me, always makes me feel inspired to create something, um, and I can like I I will listen to I'll listen to Tom Waits for like eight hours and not even notice, you know. I, like I have my own Tom Waits playlists for whatever mood I'm in. Like oh nice pure Tom Waits, but like different <laughs> selections. Okay. Um. So that yeah, if I'm struggling for a bit of inspiration, a bit of creativity, I will just I'll just put that on, and it, it just it just works every time. I think it, it's the sort of I guess it's the sort of you know, he literally paints a picture with with his songs. So, you know, it inspires you visually and from what you're hearing and, like, just the, the mood, the way he sort of creates a mood with every song. I, I just always, 
always come away feeling like, okay, I want to create something. I want to make something like, yeah, amazing. it works. And you, and you said there that you'd have different emotions. So could we have actually had a Tom Waits song for every, every pick of this playlist? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I did think about it. I nice. was like, mm, probably not what you're asking. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I definitely could have put, I could have put a Tom Waits song for every single one of these. Amazing. For sure. Uh, I would have happily accepted that. I think that would have been a really interesting twist. <laughs> um, where did your love for Tom, was, was that, was he someone that you listened to a lot growing up? Or was it someone that you discovered yourself? Uh, no, I discovered him completely by random. Um, I bought a CD for like two quid from, <laughs> I don't know, like our price or HMV or something. <laughs> and I, I just, at the time, I was like, oh, I've heard people talk about this Tom Waits guy. Um, and the first one, the first record I bought was um Asylum Years and okay. I listened to it and I was like oh my god like this is incredible like I, I've never like I'm not really one for sort of being starstruck or being like overwhelmed by people but literally like I listened to that and I was like oh my god like I have to know everything about what he does I have to own everything he's ever done like I, I just <laughs> yeah got very overexcited um Amazing. and then proceeded to you know, collect everything I could, like basically, <laughs> and read everything I could. Amazing. Um, yeah. Nice. Slightly obsessed. No, no. <laughs> There's definitely worse things to be obsessed in. Uh, bye. Um, so, what's our what's our song choice? What's our Tom Waits song for this one? Um, so, I picked Burma Shave as my inspirational song because I just think it's it, it's all of those things that that I was saying. It's like it's a beautiful story. It's like an entire like narrative in six minutes. And, you know, you, you get to know these characters and it's like beautiful and it's heartbreaking and it's tragic and it's like musically stunning as well. And then you get to the end of the song and you're like, that was a song. It was just a song, but it's like <laughs> so much more than just a song. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the way you've spoken about him, I have to listen to Tom Waits after this. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've listened to Tom Waits before, but now I need I'll to send you. And... I'll send you one of my Tom Waits playlists. <laughs> oh, please do, because uh, I'll happily listen to that uh, nonstop. Uh, okay, that's that's. Uh, I, I love that. I love, to, I, lo- I love it when you hear someone talk about something with such passion, and um, clearly you have a lot of passion for Tom Waits, so uh, I love that. Um, okay, track three. This is the one that's tailored to you. So the way I posed this to you was around music you music you listen to when you obviously are being creative. So mm-hmm. obviously when you tattoo, when you draw, when you paint, etc. Um, before we again talk about some pick, what kind of music will you lean towards listening to when you are in that creative process? Um, so I actually listen to a lot of classical music when I'm in the process um especially if especially if I'm painting or if I'm writing um I get I can get quite distracted by music um in that I'll be listening to something and I'll be like oh my god I really want to listen to this now or you know suddenly I'm like making a playlist when I should have been working on a project um so I have to I have to sort of be quite strict with myself with what I will listen to so that that doesn't happen um 
And okay. so I, I find I'll, sometimes I'll listen to um, quite a bit of jazz because I find that has a similar sort of, um, like I can work in a similar sort of way, but um, listening to sort of classical um, instrumental music, it just allows me to get really into my work without sort of distracting myself. And again, like I, I can just, at that point, I can just work for hours and hours and hours and like not sort of come out of my little sort of work hole that I get myself into. Yeah, that, that reminds me of a time uh, I was in, I was in an office about three, four years ago and someone sent me a power ballads playlist and <laughs> I listened to that and I think I was in deep for about an hour and that just slightly over an hour. And by the end of it, my colleague kind of asked me if I was okay. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, your face, you just had every emotion possible. <laughs> listening to that. And I did, and, and I did no work in that hour. I was just fully into this power ballad. So I do appreciate and agree with you that there are certain types of music that you have to listen to that you don't get too involved with because power ballads is one that I get too emotionally involved with. Um, so what's our song? What's our song pick for this one then? Uh, so I picked um, Yo-Yo Ma um, and his version of um, Cello Suite Number no. One in G Major by Johann Sebastian Bach. Nice. I don't know that. Um, so I am looking forward to listening to that. You will. You'll put it on and be like, you'll, you'll play it and be like, oh, that one. Oh, okay. Like you, you will. I think you would recognise it. Okay. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I also, like, I'm obsessed with the cello. I tried to learn a couple of years ago, but like, clearly I just don't have enough time or dedication <laughs> to start something new. It wasn't saying that you fancied during lockdown? Give a cello another go? I mean, I think that says it all, that if I didn't start learning again during lockdown, it's probably not going to happen. Fair. But it does, my cello does look really good <laughs> in my front room. So there is that. Oh, do you actually own <laughs> <Yeah>. one? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's now just turned into a ornament. Yeah, basically. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. Um, okay, I really love that. I think that's a and a really kind of beautiful way to kind of explain that, and I totally get it. Um, okay, moving on to the next song. Mm -hmm. So every playlist then has that moment where you have to take a slight dip. It can't just be mm -hmm. positive and happy every single track. So this is the music that we listen to when we're feeling a bit blue, when we're feeling a bit sad. Um, again, before we talk about song pick, when you are having those days, which again, are totally valid, everyone's allowed to have days where you can't always feel your best. And I think it's okay to accept you're going to have those days. Um, what kind of music will you lean towards listening to when you are in that kind of mindset? Um, so this, this one was the hardest one for me to choose just one song because 90% of my music is melancholy, sad, <laughs> like okay. mu music to listen to when you're feeling a bit down. Um, yeah. my, my partner refers to my tasting music as stoned alone music, um, <laughs> I love <that>. which, which <laughs> is very, very accurate. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer in like leaning into it. If you're having a bad day or you're feeling a bit melancholy, you're feeling a bit down, just lean right into it. Just listen to sad, yeah. 
agree. you know, melancholy music and just ride it out. And, and I think you, if you do that, you get to the end of the playlist or the album or whatever you're listening to, and, and it's, it's quite cathartic. You feel better at the mm. end of it. You feel like, okay, I've like released some of that melancholy into the atmosphere. Yeah, I agree. So that's my theory. No, no, I fully agree with you. And uh, I think Stoned Alone might be your subheading for this episode. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy that. Um, and do you have a certain place when you listen to your Stoned Alone music? Were you, do you have a chair? Do you go for a walk with headphones on? Do you listen to it in bed? Where, where would you tend to kind of go to when you're having those moments? I mean... I've never really thought about it. I think I'll just put it on wherever I am. <laughs> just whatever, you know, just, like I say, I just lean into it. Yeah. So um, probably, you know, sitting in the studio, just put some sad music on or, um, or <laughs> yeah, I've got like my little spot in, in my front room. I've got my chair, just like my nice comfy chair, sit there with the dog, put the music on and just, you know, mm ride it out <laughs> <laughs> and what's our okay so what's our song pick for the stoned alone selection um so my my go-to feeling sad song that i eventually selected okay because it changed multiple times <laughs> um but in the end i went for nina simone if i uh if i should lose you oh nice which is i think the saddest song that has ever been written um so I had a a very it a very very close second for me was Nadine Shah um stealing cars oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's on that's on my like, sad playlist <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah first, first song that goes on any sort of melancholy playlist that I that I make it's just a good See, even now I'm like, oh. <laughs> no, 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 you said it now. I have two. You, uh, well, remember yeah, you've got your right, go. you've got your honourable selection, which is the last one, which is where the songs that nearly made the cut. You can kind of have that. Oh, there. so many of those as well. Well, we'll get to that one. We'll get to that one. I love that, <laughs> and um, I think I I I'm really enjoying this playlist because I mean I've been trying to make notes as we've been chatting, but it, it's such a it's such a wide selection, which I really yeah. <laughs> which I which I really love because. I mean, I part of me wished it was just Tom Waits every every time, but um, <laughs> I think what I think that what the show is is that you know there are such different music for such different emotions, and if you take out the what scene you consider yourself in and that kind of constraints of music, um, I think it really shows the honesty when people have with music of what they really truly listen to. I mean, you know, iPod and punk rock gigs, but if you looked at my Spotify and Wrapped. It's not. It's not punk. <laughs> so um, yeah. probably shows my. But I, I think, I think as well. Like what one thing that I that I did sort of think about and that I realised making this selection is like there's a, a lot of music that I love and a lot of artists that I really really love, but I love going to see hmm. them perform. I don't necessarily listen to them in any other capacity. You know, there's when I think back to like. I mean, God, like, I miss going to gigs so much. Like, it breaks my heart every time I think about, like, all the amazing, like, live music that I haven't been able to see. Um, But I think back to, like, the last few, like, really amazing gigs that I went to, 
and none of them are, you know, artists I would have put on this list or even that I particularly listen to a lot. But seeing them live, incredible, like incredible, like love that that music in that particular setting. But uh, yeah, but wouldn't necessarily listen. Who, which, which, who, who, who were they? Um, I, who were the last few gigs you went to see? I mean, one one that I sort of am thinking of as I say this was The Streets. Oh, cool. Um, who, I mean, like, just great, like, so great, so fun, like, amazing energy, just, like, a really good time. Yeah. Um, and the last, I mean, the last act I saw live before lockdown was Kay Tempest. Oh, cool. And I'm a huge fan of their work, like, love their poetry um and love their their music and also one of the few sort of lockdown gigs that I've seen was literally them performing in their front room like Mm. a a free gig which was amazing um but again like for me that's it's all about the experience of seeing them perform and being in that sort of environment yeah. Like I don't necessarily listen to the music a lot at home, so it, it's like a. It, I guess there's so much more to it than just a good song. It's it's there's a lot more about the sort of the connection and the environment and mm. where you're at when you listen to it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I've always said that with people like bands like Muse and other bands like that. Yeah. I I couldn't listen to a Muse song at home, but they're an incredible and like Kasabian a little bit as well though. I feel bad because the singer's a bit of a douche, but um, they're they're great. Yeah, yeah. disappointing. Yeah, but they but they're live bands to me. Um, <laughs> like when you watch these bands live, it's completely different than watching it, listening to it at home. You just don't get the same thing. Um, yeah. So I totally get that um, and agree. Um, okay, so the kind of officially last one, though it's not, um, <laughs> is the song that you'd play. In the last scene of your movie. So the curtain's about to close, credits about to roll. What song plays us out? Uh, so eventually I picked um, the Alabama Shakes, This Feeling. Oh, okay. And why did we pick that one? Well, at fir- well like, when I read that at first, like my first thought was, oh, you'd want something epic, you know, like the end of the breakfast club where it's, you know, across the, walking across the field and, you know, <laughs> strong sort of music. But then I, I don't know, I was sort of trying to think of a song that I felt really connected, that I connected with in that way and just nothing jumped out. And then I was like, okay, what songs do I just, what have I been listening to endlessly recently? Um, and I've been listening to a lot of Brittany Howard stuff and obviously a lot of Alabama shakes and, this song in particular is one that I always go back to because it's just such a beautiful, like, sentiment to it. And it's this thing, it's this sort of whole feeling of, like, you know, finding peace and finding a good place and being in a good place and just being like, I'm in my good place. Like, just let let me be. And I was like, that would be a really cool ending. Just being like, <laughs> I'm, in my, I'm in my good place now. Yeah. You know, wishing everyone, like, peace and love and let's all be happy and... You know, nice. after a, a lifetime of fighting against everything, it'd be quite nice to have a nice, calm, positive end. Yeah. 
I really like that. I think it's a really beautiful way to describe it. And after your stone, stoned alone <laughs> moment, I think having that, having that want to be around everyone, I think it's a really nice way to, uh, to go. Um, okay, and then this is the last one. And this is the honourable mention. A song that nearly made the cut. And I know you've already kind of said there are many songs yeah. that could have been this one. Um, so but before we before we pick the final one, what, what, are, what, what are a few songs that were kind of nearly the honourable mention? What other songs, just to give a, just to give a mention, um, nearly made the cut? Oh, the ones that, the ones that came closest. Um, obviously, like I say, Nadine Shah came close. Um, the Ship Song by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, that okay. came very close. Oh. But I couldn't fit it into a category. I was just like... I just really love that song, but it didn't quite <laughs> go. Um, I really wanted to get a David Bowie track in there because he was such a like a huge, um, like I'm a huge David Bowie fan, like as like a person, as as a artist, creator. But again, like nothing felt like it really fit. Yeah. So they all came, they all came quite close. Um, Okay. But not quite, didn't quite make it as my final. Okay. <laughs> you look quite, you look quite pensive there. You look like you're expecting something shocking. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, um, no, no, no. I'm, um, I'm really intrigued because you're, this is, this is what I've been enjoying about this. And, and we kind of said it earlier in a sense that, you know, some people kind of, especially when you do the kind of chat at the beginning kind of build this build this story of of who they are musically obviously we've already spoken about Kerrang and this you know you're a punk rock kid obviously there's been no punk rock featured in this and you know you've then spoken about your love for Tom Waits you know it's it's no and I'm not I'm just I'm super intrigued and kind of excited because because people you know uh, people build us you know build a narrative in your head of what they could pick and then when we actually go through the song selections, it's nothing yeah. like what you think it could be. So I'm on the edge. I, I, have, I have no idea what this one's going to be. And I'm quite excited. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, my honourable mention um, would be George Michael, Freedom. Oh, okay. Sweet. Why? Uh, how come we meant George? Uh, George Michael was the first musician musical artist that I was like that I remember being like really into from like being really really young huge fan loved them loved Wham okay knew all the songs like as a kid loved George Michael and I think again like it's it's just it's just great music Mm. you know he just made incredible music um and that's that's a song for me that will always if I hear it I'm turning it up you know if it comes on I'm gonna get up and dance to it I'm gonna sing along like I'm gonna be in such a good mood at the end of it like it it will always put a smile on my face and I'll always enjoy it nice um yeah so I thought rather than continue with my very very melancholy music (laughs) I'll throw something a bit more positive in there just to just to end it on like a a high note. Yeah, I love that. And just before we round up, I'm going to give you one more because I'm intrigued. If we had to give a song selection for the teenage you, so your check shirt, 
if you skateboard, Reading Kerrang. Yeah. What what song, or if it's hard to pick a song, what what band or song would would, would you have picked? See, it's actually not that. I'm like, oh, there's two that okay. immediately come to mind. So it would either have to be Rage Against the Machine, um, Killing in the Name, because mm. obviously, yeah. It's still, and again, still, if that song comes on, I'm shouting every single word. <laughs> I'm like back in that, like I was going to say, in that check shirt wearing sort of, yeah. Uh, Exactly, exactly how we are right now. Um, so it would either be, it would be that, or it would be Pearl Jam Alive. Oh, nice! Which was also a, a game changer for me, like hearing that song and just being like, like, who is this incredible? Yeah. Like, what's this incredible sound? Um, yeah, either one of those would still would still have my. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I love both of those. And um, I think, I mean, they're obviously both classics from two classic bands who still very much, I mean, I saw Pearl Jam at the O2 two years ago and they were incredible and they still stand. And their music now still stands the test of time. And the same with Rage. I think, I think Rage will always be such an important band from a, mm-hmm. what they were about and what their message was about. I think they kind of stand alone a little bit in, and why they were a band and what their continuous message was. And I think that message will never go. And I think that's, I think that really kind of shows what, what a band they, they are still, because I think they'll probably play again at some point. Um, Amazing. I've loved this. So thank you so much for joining. It's been my Um, pleasure. And I'm actually really excited to listen to this playlist. Um, So, and yeah, please send me your Tom Waits uh, playlist. Yeah, I'll do that now for you. I'm very excited to listen. Um, Thank you so much for, joining us and for taking part thank um, you for having me i think people will get a real kick out of listening to your selections i i get a kick out of listening to you because you know i think you are great and i think the message that you spread is so positive that i think it's one that you know people need to listen to um and i'm sure people get a kick out of that as well so stay safe um and thank you you too and i'll speak to you soon all right speak to you soon bye bye